Hi, welcome to The 40 Tellers. My name is Sharla, and I'm your host. I thought today I'd start off a little bit about telling you who I am, just in case um, you don't know. Um, I am a wedding and portrait photographer in Long Beach, California. I've also been a high school and middle school teacher for the past 18 years, teaching Spanish, digital photography, and using new media. I'm currently on a volunteer leave of absence to pursue my calling as a photographer and creative entrepreneur. However, the ever curious person and storyteller in me has also led me to start this podcast, The 40 Tellers. I truly believe the 40s have been a new chapter for me after a rather difficult time in my life. For me, this decade has already been transformative and also for so many of my friends, family, and the guests that I speak with. I truly believe we all have a story worth sharing and I want to help tell yours. So thanks again for tuning in to The 40 Tellers and I can't wait to share our next 40 teller. Hey Chesty, welcome to The 40 Tellers. Hey Charlotte, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. We've been having some technical difficulties so I appreciate your uh, patience. Yeah, it's only been, uh, we've been on trying to do this thing for 45 minutes. I know. Okay, let's not tell anybody that. Otherwise, they'll never want to be a guest. <laughs> I swear, I know what I'm doing. You have to edit that piece out. It's okay. No, I don't mind. <laughs> but actually, you know, it's funny. I A year ago, I was like, I want to have a podcast. And I knew nothing about creating a podcast and literally YouTubed my way through it. So, and and. Definitely getting a run for my money right now. <laughs> yeah. No, this is pretty cool. Yeah. So anyways, thanks so much for being willing to come on this podcast. And um, let's just get started and uh, tell tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are in the world and what you're doing with your life and all that background information that everybody wants to know. Yeah. I don't know if anyone wants to know it, but I'll tell it. Of course. <laughs> you're, you're living a charmed life by some... Terms. Depends on whose perspective, not my mom's <laughs> perspective. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, yeah, no, she loves me still. Uh, I'm, so I'm in Seattle, Washington. I live in Soft Lake Union, and uh, that's that's where I am in the world on this on this beautiful podcast, Charlotte. Cool. And what do you do by day? By by day, I I work. Uh, I do software sales by day. I work for a signature company called DocuSign. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what's a, what's a typical day in the life of Chesty look like? Oh, geez, that's such a loaded question. It's probably more boring than, than, than people think if they're paying attention to social media. Um, well, I think that's, that's the case with all of us, right? Yeah, I think that's everyone, because you only see the highlights on social media, so then you think, oh, wow, they're in Vegas, or they're in New York, or... They're doing yeah. something cool. And you're like, well, that was like four days this month. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the other 26 were what? Tell us yeah. about those 26. The uh, other 26, uh, you know, I, I do keep pretty social. I'm not going to lie. I We have a, I have a group of like five buddies that we do a reoccurring guys night like every single Thursday. Well, I can't say every single Thursday. I would say probably like 48 like Thursdays out of what are they probably 52 Thursdays in a year. That's say, pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's the same group of guys. Uh, there's three of us or really four of us have been doing it for like six or seven years. And then we picked up a fifth guy. Um, who's a pretty cool guy to hang out with. And we've been doing that. And I think it's just me trying to balance like 
being social and having new friends and, and having people outside of like what I would consider my core inner circle, but keeping those like core inner circle friends and like maintaining those relationships. Now those guys that you get together with every Thursday, like how do you know them? Yeah, um, Mel is my college roommate. Uh, our buddy Bacchus, who we met when we first moved to Seattle, and then we picked up uh, another buddy about seven years ago. Actually, it's probably like more like nine years ago now. You know what's crazy about your 40s is that your 30s fly by so fast. You're like, yeah, that was three years ago. And, and then it's like, no, it wasn't three years ago. That was 12 years ago. Yeah, a decade. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then a, yeah, and then a coworker, my name was. Nice. Yeah, I met four years ago. Actually, probably five years ago now. So you do that on Thursdays and on every other day of the week, like you go to work, obviously you mentioned before when you and I talked that you work remotely occasionally. So like, what's a typical day look like for you? Yeah. I mean, typical day is I, I probably wake up a lot earlier than people would expect considering that I do love like the nightlife and I love enjoy going out. Uh, but I'm up by six thirty AM. Uh, most days, um, I'm at work anywhere between 7 and 7.30 a.m. Um, do a super hard day of work. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm, like, super busy at work all the time. It's a, it's not like a like a tough job, necessarily. It is challenging at times. Um, it's just, just a really busy job would be the like best way to describe it. But it's busy in a good way. Like, what, what we're selling is kind of like a disruptive technology. It's kind of replacing like the fax machine, right? You know, you think about how people traditionally did business is if I needed to send you a contract, I'd have to scan it, fax it, or email it as an attachment. Then you're forced to print it off and sign it and scan it and send it back as an attachment. And we're kind of eliminating that from the perspective that I can now send you a form, an agreement, a contract, and you can sign it on a mobile phone. You can sign it on your PC without ever having to print it or scan it scan it. Yeah, that, that, that technology has been like so valuable in my photography business because yeah, it's a process to get somebody to sign a document. And so to be able to do it digitally as a business owner for me has just been amazing. It is. I, I like one time my like auto insurance person was like, Hey, you know, we need to like, Re renew your, you know, your insurance so that you don't lapse. And I remember I was being, I was out sick that week, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to get in the office. And they like sent it to me like a like a hard like a PDF. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, am I my where's Kinko's? And I'm and by the way, I'm sick in my bed. Can you guys please get DocuSign so I can just sign this from my bed from my phone or from my computer, and I don't have to like run around town to get this back to you? Yeah. And by the way, who has a fax machine anymore? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, but you'd be amazed how many people will still request for you to fax something back. And I'm like, literally, like, I just scan for my phone and send it in an email now. So it's the best. I mean, I guess unless you work in a corporate office, right, you might have access to a fax machine. But you're right. So many people are at home now and so many more people are, like, mobile and, and traveling. It's, I don't know, it's just a process. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, so what have your forties been like so far, and how did you feel about turning forty and anticipating this next decade in your life? Yeah, you know, forties are interesting. I mean, I feel like I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. Uh, turning forty for me 
wasn't I don't think I took it as hard as I've had some friends that like really like were kind of depressed for a few days. Like they really struggled with the idea of being 40. I think part of it is like, you know, I think about when you kind of lay out your life and, you know, kind of like each milestone, I don't think many of us like lay out what happens after 40. It's kind of like, okay, when I turn 16, this happens. When I turn 18, this happens. When I turn 21, this happens. When I turn 25, 30, and you might go up to 40 and it's like, then you stop, right? You, then you stop like thinking of, you don't start thinking of like the other milestones you hit, right? You just kind of hit 40 and then you're like, oh crap, this is my life over. I hit 40. That was like, the, that was, like my last milestone. Now, now, like, That's true. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. So I, I think a lot of people struggle with, with their 40s from that perspective. I, I don't know. I, I might be different because like, I don't, my lifestyle isn't someone in their 40s, it might, I mean, arguably it's not even someone in their 30s, it's probably a lot like someone who's living in their 20s, so for me, like, <laughs> turning 40 wasn't really a big deal, I mean, obviously, you know, there are certain times that I, I definitely feel my 40s, like, physically, uh, but, like, mentally, I, I feel, you know, just the same as I did when I was 25 or 35, but even better, because I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm more mature, I'm more grounded, uh, you know, I have a better perspective on life, just like mentally much, much, much healthier. You know, obviously physically I'm not at my peak, but I'm still close enough that I don't really notice it that much. You know, it's not like I'm playing sports every day where then maybe I, I would see that kind of like my physical powers drop off a little bit more. I'm you know, I just kind of live like more of a, a normal non-athletic lifestyle. So it, like, you know, that stuff, like I don't I don't really notice if, if that makes sense on a day to day. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so just to give like our listeners like a little perspective over like the last 20 years, um, unlike myself and, you know, some of the people that we mutually know, um, you've never been married. You don't have kids. You're currently single. Is that correct? Yep. Um, I mean, you've, you've definitely, um, lived life big and that's been really fun to follow on social media. I, I don't get intimidated by all of the fun and awesome and positive posts as most people do. Like, I like to see that, you know, people are embracing the good stuff. But I think the thing that's really amazing about you is that you've been really, really open and vulnerable about some of the challenges that you faced in, in your past. Yeah, totally. I mean, part of why I can celebrate kind of some of the, a lot of the positive things is I felt like I've gone through a ton in my life. You know, I battled a severe depression, you know, a, a period of depression. I battled through a huge, massive gambling problem that probably like 20 or 30 people know about. I don't know to the extent of how bad people knew my gambling issues were. Uh, I went through. I did not know that, actually. Yeah. You want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah, no, I would actually love to hear. I mean, you've been really open and honest on many of your Facebook posts, which is why I even know, you know, you and I, we went to high school together and we were classmates, but, you know, we've definitely lost touch over the last two decades. And if it wasn't for social media and just like our occasional 10 year reunion, 20 year reunion, I wouldn't know any of this, but sure. you've been really open and honest about many of your challenges, which is why I was so intrigued 
And so, and, and I, I have to say, I admire you because it's not easy to be vulnerable and open about what we battle and we all have our own battles. And, um, so I would love for you to, to share with us about your gambling problem and about depression and just like what that looked like and how you were able to, um, you know, dig your way out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let me let me start with the depression first, because I think really the gambling was kind of something that spun off of kind of being depressed, right? It's just kind of like trying to find your way in this world. Um, now, I you know, I really don't know what it was. I mean, obviously, you knew me in high school. I was, you know, pretty social in high school, very happy. Uh, college was kind of rough. You know, I think college is kind of that time where like, you know, you get you get very much in your comfort zone in high school. And you, you know a lot of people, then you go away to college and you're kind of off on your own. You know, you might have like a handful of friends in college, but you really got to start over again. So, you know, college was kind of a struggle. And I don't know, maybe like being in high school a little bit, I was handicapped by the fact that like it was, I already knew everyone. So I didn't have to like go out and make new friends. So like in a weird way, maybe I was like kind of, kind of like socially stunted a little bit going into college. Sounds weird, but. Well, like, you I'm, just had a built-in network. I yeah, mean, we had exactly. a really amazing group of friends that we followed through, you know, each year. Yeah. So I think we had a built-in network. And then I think by virtue of having a built-in worker, you have that kind of this, this false idea that like, you're like, like your social skills are better than they are. <laughs> right. And, and then, and then you go to college and then you're like, Oh wow. Like I'm really way more shy than I thought I was, or I'm not as outgoing as I thought I was. And, and then, you know, not that it was a struggle to make friends, because obviously everyone in college is in the same boat. It just didn't feel as comfortable, maybe as quickly or as immediately as I thought. Plus, my freshman year, I went home a lot because my brother played football, so I came home to visit him. So there's like, like a lot of weekends, like early in the fall, like that time when people are really kind of building friendships and relationships really early on and developing kind of who their network of friends are. I was gone, you know, those, those weekends. So I don't know, like I eventually got into the groove. Like in college, probably it took me till my junior year to where like I felt comfortable again and I kind of felt a little bit more like my old self, like like I did in high school, uh, you know. And then it was that adjustment post-college going into, you know, you're, you're now in your early 20s and you're now in the workforce, you know, you, you have your first job uh, and, and, and you're, again, you're like starting over again, right? And, and you're, you're readjusting again. And, um, you know, I, I think I just had this kind of like idealized kind of vision of life. And I think I was trying to follow the track, which will explain a lot about like kind of why I live the lifestyle I do right now. You know, I kind of had that whole idea. You go to college, you get a good career, you, you climb the career track, you meet a girl, you get married, white picket fence, right, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of like that, that, you know, the idealized, hey, this is the American dream. This is how you live it. And some of those things weren't working out for me. Like, even though I was, you know, progressing my career, I wasn't as progressing as fast as some of my friends. Uh, I wasn't having as much luck with girls. And I think a lot of that, like, threw me off and, and, and got me, like, really, really depressed. And then, you know, I think I just kind of spiraled out of control with that. And, and for me, like, gambling was kind of an escape. It's kind of like, hey, I want to get out of this rat race. I don't, I don't want to go out to the bars every weekend or I don't want to. I actually didn't like going out to the bars for a long time, which is kind of kind of funny. Like, I, you know, obviously I'm very comfortable in bars right now, but from 21 to, to 27, I, I probably went to a bar like maybe like eight times a year, like not even once a month. 
and I didn't enjoy it. Like, it's like, I didn't really even enjoy like being out. So I spent the majority of 22 to 27, like almost every day, I could say like 90% of my out of work time in a casino. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was alone. Oh yeah. I mean, I had to put it to, to, you know, one of my best friends at the time who, who was one of my college roommates, I lived with them since moving into Seattle. So I was living with them probably since 22 and we'd hang out and we'd be social. Like there was a good couple of years where, you know, I was trying to make, make a good go of it, right? Kind of do the, hey, here's American dream. You go out on the weekends, you meet new people, maybe meet a girl, kind of do that thing. And it just wasn't really working out for me. And it just like kind of got like depressed. And I just kind of like isolated myself and kind of just kind of started gambling and, and going off and doing my own thing. And at one point, I think like he hadn't really even seen me in a year and we we're roommates, right? I go to work and I go straight to the casino and I was home at 1 a.m., then I'd be at work at 8 a.m. And I was just kind of repeating them. And he's like, you know, finally he's like, hey, Chesty, man, I don't know if you know this, but I'm like kind of going through a lot of sh- shit on my own, you know? And I- I'd love if like you were there as my friend to support me. And, you know, I don't feel like you are. We almost like kind of our friendship almost broke off. What he didn't know is I was super freaking depressed too. And I was going through my own stuff, but I was kind of so to myself about it. He had no idea any of that was going on, right? So he he's kind of going through his issues, I'm kind of going through mine, you know, me, the way that I deal with stuff is I'm just kind of, sometimes going to be a very loner. I just like to kind of like internalize it and just kind of trying to figure it out on my own. Whereas he was kind of more like, Hey, you know, I need a support system. Right. So it almost broke our friendship. I remember we had it out one day kind of like, you know, over really, over really a big misunderstanding. Right. I was trying to deal with my problem. He's trying to deal with his problem. But he was reaching out to you. He was. In yeah. desperation. You know, which I, yeah, you know, which I can appreciate. And you know what? And, and he was absolutely which right. Which is hard I mean, to do. You know, if you're, yeah, if you're friends with someone, you know, you can't just check out for a year. Problem is, I was so deep in my gambling, Charlotte. It was like ridiculous. I mean, I was, I was just so, so deep into it. And I was losing crazy amounts of money, too. I was just getting buried in debt, which didn't help my depression, by the oh, way. Oh, it's like they <laughs> fuel each other, right? Yeah. And I think that's a really common thing with depression is that you isolate, which makes it worse. It does. You don't even tell anyone about it. Like, you know, there was a time when I felt comfortable sharing the story. Obviously, it's when I, you know, I kind of overcame. I got past to the point where I wanted to commit suicide. And there was a stretch of time I wanted to commit suicide. And then I got past that stretch and I was kind of able to, like, open up a little bit and, and share my story. And, and I seriously had, like, at the time, the closest friends to me in Seattle, they're like, I didn't even know you were depressed, right? Like, I was, because I was, when I went to work, I was very functional. I could put on a game face. Um, you know, I was, I'd get through the work day. And part of it was when I was at work, I was distracted. So, you know, I kind of lose track of, of being depressed anyways. It was as soon as I got home and just kind of everything slowed down. I was like, man, I'm really depressed. I'm not, like, really happy with where my life's going or even the prospect of, 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 of where, you know, where my life is headed long-term either, right? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, what, like, how, like, what was the wake-up call or what was, how were you able to finally get a grip on? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's like kind of cliche when people say you get, like, hit rock bottom. I don't think it's cliche but, at all. Like, for me, it was like I, I literally hit rock bottom. And for me, it was, I mean, I mean, this is going to, you know, I'm going to try to, like, not make it as dark as it seems. But I almost committed suicide. I, I really, like, there was a day that it almost happened. You know, it was very, very real. I couldn't get myself to do it. 
part of it was I was scared. Part of it was like I knew the impact it would have on the people who love me. And I just couldn't do it. And I think, you know, from there I was like, okay, I can't do this. Now I got to like figure out like how to solve it. Like it's not normal to be like depressed every day. Like I know that as much as I'm like, you know, you're cloudy, you're not thinking straight, obviously that, you know, when you're in depression, you're not obviously thinking straight and you're like, okay, I need to like figure this out. So for me, I, I really went through a process of just kind of rewiring myself for like the next year, like rewiring, like how I perceive things, rewiring, like what was important in life, like, like really thinking about, okay, you know, I bought into this ideal of this is what the American dream is. Why is that the American dream? Why, why do I need to have these things? And are these things even that important? And I kind of started figuring out like, what are the things that make me happy? What are the things that are important to me? You know, within the framework of being a decent human being, of course. And then really like, really for me, it was kind of like having a different perspective on life. You know, there's, so many, you know, when I, when I look at people who are unhappy or bitter or angry and, you know, and it's based in like situational stuff, I'm like, you know what, if you just had a different perspective on the same situation, you'd probably, you know, you could probably be happy. And, and, you know, once I kind of like started thinking along those lines that really it's your perspective or perception of things on whether or not you're happy versus what's literally hap happening situationally. That makes right. Sense. I mean, how do you go one day from thinking? Oh, it was a year. I mean, it took a year. I mean, uh, you know, it's not like something happened overnight. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, you take it day by day. I really, like, thought through it hard. I, I mean, I, like, I didn't even watch TV for a year, Charlotte. I really just went home, sat in my, like, laid in my bed. Like, I read books, right? But I, I really just kind of like, hey, like, how do I, like, rewire my mind to, like, think differently and just kind of have a different perspective on life and kind of, like, figure out, like, what do I want from life? Not kind of like what society has been kind of, you know, putting on me, telling me this is the way to live life, but more of kind of like, what, where, where do I get value out of it? And I think I kind of hit an epiphany one day, and it was actually a conversation with that same friend that, you know, that, that kind of called me out on, like, not being a support system. And I remember we're going to have a deep conversation one day, and, you know, I, I forget who asked the question, but, I, you know, I, oh, I think I, I might have asked him questions, kind of like, hey, like, like, what do you want to get out of life? Like, what, what do you want out of life? And he said to be known. And he didn't mean to be famous. He didn't mean to be popular. He just meant, like, to be understood. To have, like, if it was even a small circle of people that really, like, knew him. Like, really, like, understood him. And then it kind of, like, a light bulb went off in my head. Like, I think that's what we oh, all crave. Definitely. We all just crave, like, human connection. And we want to be understood. And, and we don't want to have any judgment. And, and we just kind of want to be there and people go, you know what, I get you. Like, I, I get like where you're coming from. And then for me, the second light bulb was for me, it was, you know what, the meaning of life is human connection, like just to be connected with other people, you know, and that can be for some people it could be a small group of friends for some people it can be a very large group of friends. Or for me, it's like a hybrid of both where I do have like small pockets of friends that I consider my closest friends. And, you know, I try to spend the majority of my time with but also kind of that broader universe because I love like meeting new people. I love, you know, hearing different stories, getting different perspectives and that type of right. thing. Right. Yeah. I think you're so right. I think that and we all long for that. And, and in fact, you know, the idea came to me um, to interview you a few months back. You wrote something on Facebook that I thought was really profound and it was inspired by, um, 
by a TED talk that you watched and I love TED talks and I know that you and I like we've both referenced Brene Brown she's a an author and a speaker and talks about the power of vulnerability and owning your story and um but so I'm going to share this with you on yeah. the platform do you remember this do you remember this post that you wrote on Facebook I probably don't remember exactly, but I do remember the post in general only because I repost that TED Talk every year because I love it. I think it's really like one of the most powerful like TED Talks just because that's really like like is kind of like the foundation of life is people are depressed, sad, whatever, because it's really it really comes down to the fact that they struggle with vulnerability. Yeah, I mean, pe people don't want to be found out. They don't want to be, you know, but the thing is, is that we all struggle. We all have our, we all have our vices and we all have, you know, our setbacks. And if we could own it and be honest with it, I think we would all be in a very different place. So, okay, would you do this for me? Okay, so I just posted what you wrote. I copied it from your Facebook. <laughs> Would you read okay. it? Because I think there's so much, there's, there's so many amazing things that are to be shared. Okay, yeah, can you read you? it? Sure. Okay, sure. Um, if you knew my personal story, you know I suffered major depression in my early to mid-20s. At my worst, every day was a battle to not kill myself for several years. I was $75,000 in debt. I was surrounded by people, yet felt alone. And then an epiphany happened, a radical change in how I perceived approach and started to live life happened around 27. I haven't felt depressed in 14 years. I contribute much of my turnaround to having a positive perspective on life and building a life filled with amazing relationships. Connectivity is the key. If you don't decide to watch the video below, a couple of cliff notes for you and have an amazing Saturday. One, relationships and social connectivity are the secrets to happiness. Two, it's not necessarily the total number of friends, but the quality of your relationships. Three, it's not money, it's not achievement or popularity that brings happiness, it's literally connectivity with others that is your key to being fulfilled and happy. Four, connectivity, happiness, is very closely tied to mental and physical health. People who feel connected live longer. Five, connectivity has nothing to do with being married, dating, single, etc. Relationships mean all relationships, community, family, friends, etc. You can be single and happy and married and miserable, or vice versa. Surround yourself with good, positive people. So for all of you that are magically connected to in life, thank you. You are literally contributing to my happiness every day and make me feel connected, and I hope I've returned the favor. Bless you. Go out and connect. Ah, I love that. <laughs> that is so awesome. And I have to say that that is why we're having this conversation right now is because I've been struggling this entire past year. Like I left the classroom and teaching to pursue this dream of being, you know, an entrepreneur. And I've been so bummed out because I'm lonely. I hate working home alone. I'm not getting that like daily connectivity and even just like the physical, the physicality of just walking to the office or to the bathroom for my classroom. And, um, this podcast for me has been life-giving. Like, you know, when, when would you and I ever have a conversation like this? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, ideally 
you know, we would be able to have it over coffee, but you live in California, Southern California. I live in Seattle, and, and you're right. We just don't have the opportunity to cross paths. And when we do, like I saw you in yes, Vegas. Yes, this last right? summer. We that was fun. Yeah, in Vegas last summer. But, you know, you're with a group of girls, and it's, you know, all, all of our high school girls that, that I obviously graduated with, and I love all of you girls. But, yeah, it's just, it wasn't conducive to us having this type of one-on-one conversation. It was kind of more of us, like, doing a high-level kind of catch-up. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I just love, like, what you say about community and relationships and connectivity. Like, that is literally the opposite of depression. Depression is isolation and just, like, you're just obsessed with your own problems. And the minute you get outside of yourself and you talk to other people and you make that effort, like... It, it it's just it's life giving, you know. No, yeah, you're right. You know, when like now that I think back about like my depression, like again, you can be surrounded by a lot of people, but if you feel disconnected with the people around you, like if you don't feel like you're on the same page, right? That's kind of depressing because you're like, man, why why aren't I on the same page as everyone else? Why aren't I as connected with everyone else, even though I'm there in the room? Yeah, and it's a vicious cycle because you just. There's like so much self-loathing. There's so much disconnect. There's so many false things that you believe to be true that really aren't true. You're just in this mind funk. Yeah, and you know, and then and then it just kind of snow like it snowballs on top of it, uh, or it just keeps snowballing, and and then it just becomes not even real. Like you're 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 just so off in your mind that you're not even really thinking straight anymore. Yeah, I I think um. I think for people who've never experienced this, it may be hard to understand. Um, I know you've also talked a little bit about anxiety and having panic attacks. Like for somebody who's never experienced that, what does that look like? And how would you even explain it? Yeah, no, you know what's crazy? Because I hadn't had one like my whole entire life until, God, I must have been about 38 years old. I'm 41 now. So it's like three or four years ago. My, my first panic attack, and, and to be honest with you, I thought I was having a stroke. Or like, a heart I attack. I was having a heart attack. It feels, no, I, I, I seriously called 911 on myself, and, like, I mean, we're talking, my heart was racing, I couldn't get enough air in, my entire left side of my body, like, went numb. Like, all the things you read, like, that's a stroke, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm having a stroke, <laughs> dying. And, and seriously, I called 911. I remember, like, laying on the ground going, okay, I hope they get here before, like, this fully sets in. And they showed up, and, you know, they they put all the stuff, you know, the stuff on your arm and, and everything. And they, and they test me, and then they go, no, nope, you're fine. And I go, what do you mean I'm fine? <laughs> that doesn't feel like fine. I go, it feels like I had a stroke. They go, yeah, you just had a panic attack. And I go, a panic attack feels exactly like a stroke or a heart attack? They go, Yeah. I go, well, that sucks. I go, well, what happens when I actually have a heart attack or a stroke? And I go, nope, just a panic attack. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that's totally uh-huh. separate from, like, what you experienced with your depression in your 20s. So this was in your late 30s. So can yeah. you attribute that to anything? You know, it was a time in my, like, work life that I wasn't having as much work-life balance as I should have. And I was just really, really grinding myself you know the thing about working for like a technology startup is that everything's moving so fast and you know as we're growing exponentially our expectations are growing exponentially as too because part of my compensation is quota based it's a variable pay and so we're growing you know we're doubling in size and revenue every single year and 
our quotas were going along with that. And I put so much pressure on myself to kind of keep up with that, that, you know, there were times when I was showing up to work at 7 a.m. and I was staying till 6 p.m. And it wasn't like every once in a while. I was like doing it for months and months and months. And I think I got to the point my body was like, you know what? That's like enough. Like we're like literally going to shut down on you. I think that's um, that is our body's way of saying enough is enough. It's like you hear a whisper and then you hear a knock and then your body just is like, okay, listen, <laughs> like the stress is, is too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your body is super smart. You know, it's funny. I haven't had a panic attack or an anxiety attack in over a year now. And part of that was like, you know what? I was like, you know, what? I got to walk away from work. You know, it's four 30. I don't care if it's not done. Like, I'm done. Like that's like that was a full work day. Like I put in an honest day's work, and I just really gotta walk away from it. So, uh, have you had more? Have you had more than one? Oh yeah, there was a stretch there. Like I lost the ability to drive a car. Like I couldn't even. I had to sell both my cars when I first moved into Seattle a, a couple of years ago. Uh, part of the reason I moved into Seattle because I was living in Kirkland at the time. Uh, was because I lost the ability to drive. Like, my panic attacks and anxiety attacks were so frequent that I was a liability on the road. So I had to sell my car, move into Seattle, really be like, okay, I need to, like, focus on my health. So, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I've been doing in the last year and a half have been, you know, kind of a lot more focused on health. And I think that's another takeaway from your 40s, right? It's because, you know, you start realizing that in your 20s, you're like, ah, 30s and the 40s and 50s are so far away. I can eat what I want. I can, you know, do do whatever I want. And then when you're in your 40s, you're like, you know what? Like, it, it, we're we're a lot closer. To, you know, we're we're about halfway to the finish line, and and we really gotta like worry about being healthy and stuff. But so I just started to focus on being healthy and and started really reading a ton about, you know, what are the triggers for anxiety. Uh, you know, what what are the things that I need to like be aware of? And I just kind of made some, you know some lifestyle changes and, you know, stop, stop, you know, I didn't even know I was stressing myself at work, but I just realized now that like, I just kind of have a hard stop now at work and I just pull myself self away from it. So I think making all those changes, I haven't had an anxiety attack. And honestly, when I visit my family back in, in San Francisco, I drive my mom's car around. So I have the ability to drive a car again. I, if I wanted to, I don't need a car right now because I'm in downtown Seattle. So I don't have one, but if I wanted to buy one, I have no doubt that I can drive it around. Oh, that, that's interesting that it manifested itself into anxiety around driving, you know? Yeah, well, because I had a couple of really bad episodes where I almost passed out while I was on the freeway and I was in the like the middle or the far lane and I was literally like passing out doing 60. It was the scariest thing. I think I built a temporary association to that, that when I got in the car, I and as soon as I started like, getting closer to the freeway, I start hyping. Oh my gosh. It was just like, it would manifest itself that way. Yeah. So have you learned any tools to deal with, with those moments or have you taken? Yeah. You know, I, I did, you know, I went to the doctor, I got some anxiety medicine. I'm not big on like taking medication. So honestly, I had lorazepam, which I used to take just an emergency. Like it was kind of one of those things while I was having a panic or anxiety attack, I'll put it under my tongue and let it dissolve, but I would not take it on a daily basis. Right now, I haven't taken lorazepam in, in over a year, but uh, my thing was kind of like more natural health stuff. Right. You know, I started looking into a lot of like, you know, like gut health and 
probiotics and, you know, doing apple cider vinegar and, you know, just like natural health stuff and, and just lifestyle changes and just kind of like reducing anxiety in more natural ways. That was at least my approach to it. And, you know, I, I can't say that that's the reason why I haven't had a panic attack, but I haven't had a panic attack or an anxiety attack in over here. I feel way more healthier than I did a couple of years ago when I was kind of stressing myself out. Well, it seems like to me that anytime you've made an effort to take control of a situation, it kind of alleviates the problem. So when you're feeling a little bit maybe out of control, you know, you're having those attacks or, or the depression or the issues with, um, you know, gambling. But the minute you're like, okay, I'm going to tackle this, like, you know, it solves itself. It seems like that yeah, way to me. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I didn't think about it that way, but I guess you're right. Yeah. So when, um, don't you feel like having the experiences that you have had with depression and gambling and maybe anxiety attacks have given you more empathy for the struggles that we all live with, like for others? A ton of empathy, a ton of empathy. I think that's the good thing about being in your 40s. Honestly, I don't think anyone can get to their 40s without going through struggles. And, and I don't care how perfect your life looks, looks like from the outside, right? Everyone goes through some, some struggles, some ordeals, some place in life they got set back. And, and, and that's a great thing about being in your 40s is that you've gone through those setbacks. Hopefully, you've grown from them. We can't say necessarily everyone's grown from them, right? Because we all know... So some people there, you're like, really? Like you've gone through all that in your life and you're still, <laughs> you still haven't gained any perspective. But I, I think for the most of us, we certainly gain more perspective from it. Definitely gain more empathy from it. Um, and you know, when you see people struggling with, with whatever it is that they're going through, you know, even if it's not the same struggle, you can relate. There's that relatability because you've, di- you've done, been through a different struggle, but you know, they're, it's all relative. It's all relative. There, there's still struggles, right? And, and we all go through them. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it makes you a better person. I think you're, you're just a better version of you in your 40s. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, well, you know, we've now lived most of our life as an adult versus a child. But I, there, there's a funny quote that I saw recently, like something about the first 40 years of being your childhood. And now you're ready to, like, take on adulthood as, as a 40-year-old. And I think there's some truth in that, you know. Um, you know, we've had 20 plus years of figuring this shit out and it's hard. It's really hard. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely right stretches of, of our lives, everyone's lives that you're just like, man, am I going to make it through this? Or I'm not really getting what I want out of life. This is like a bummer, (laughs) but then you make it through and obviously, and you know what? It's like so much more rewarding though. It's, you know, to go through those struggles, I, again, like it's, it's another cliche thing, but like what, you know, what, what's the saying, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But in, in a lot of ways, it's like really true. Like I'm, I'm glad that I went through depression. Honestly, it, it allowed me to kind of open up my mind in a way that I maybe wouldn't have opened up my mind to and just kind of made me appreciate life or, you know, to go out there and go, you know what, I don't really worry about what other people think. Or, or you're like, I almost killed myself. Like I was already at rock bottom. There's nothing that you can do to put me back into that place. Right. So no matter how crummy 
someone thinks they're going to make you feel, you're like, I already made myself way crummier than you're trying to make me feel. So like, I've already had that perspective. So like, it doesn't like impact you as much as like, if you've never gone through that experience and other people are reacting negative to, negatively to you, like you absorb it more, you take it more personally. And now you're kind of like, you know what? There's nothing that you can do that my mind didn't already do to myself. And it was way worse, by the way. Exactly. I think we are the hardest on ourselves. I, I mean, I'm learning that about myself. I think that's so true. And you're right as well. It does give you an appreciation, you know, living through some a struggle like that, you know, you, you just, there are days where I wake up and I'm just like, thank you. Like, that's my first thought is just thank you. It's another day and I'm here again, you know, I'm giving it a shot again. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next? What is next? You know, that's a, that's a, you know, that's funny that you that. That's actually a good, good question. I, I mean, honestly, my, my goals and aspirations are like very simple. Like I just really love connecting with people. That's really my just goal in life is to connect with as many people as I can. So to that end, like I try to live a lifestyle or, you know, or my job to give me the type of income that I'm looking for to be able to live the lifestyle that I need to be able to do that. And, and I'm not going to lie. I thought I was going to be out of this kind of this, uh, bar hopping, clubbing phase of my life by now. <laughs> uh, and I'm not like in a weird way, but you know, what's weird is I also learned this, you know, sometimes what, you know, there's a difference between perception and like what's what's real right and i think people have this perception you know i i I, like when i go home and visit my my you know the guys or or whatever when when maybe people at work they're like oh you're like going to the club and you're going to the bar and they they you know i I could tell like just from their town the perception perception is like this is this very superficial judging you kind of yeah, is well, and, and part of it is because, you know, it can be. It can be this very superficial, like, shallow, like, life. What they don't understand, I think, is that, like, when I go out, I, like, I'm actually talking to people. Like, it's, you know, I'm in an, I'm in an environment where I have access to 20 or 30 people or five people, and they're, you know, and they're in a place where they're, like, they're, like, can open up, right? Because they feel safe. You know, when people are drinking or people in a bar, whatever, in a weird way, they feel like, okay, like I'm in my safe zone. I can say what I want to say. There's no judging. Everyone's a, a degenerate here or whatever. And, you know, they can really tell you what like, like they really feel, right? And they feel like they're doing it without judgment versus, you know, maybe doing it in a, in a coffee shop or, or over, you know, lunch at, you know, some, some high-end high end spot where there's potentially people listening to you, right? So, you know, in a weird way, I'm able to socially connect with people on a deeper level than... You know, don't get me wrong. I like doing the one-on-ones, the kind of like the, you know, hey, let's do lunch or let's do like a quick happy hour, but happy hour just being like, hey, let's go have appetizers. You know, those are all great and well, too. And I think I, I get a lot of out of that, too. But honestly, I get a lot of out from like going I can, out. I can understand that. People are way more vulnerable when they've had a drink, <laughs> you know, and it- and, and even if they don't have a drink, I think just being in an environment, it's conducive to like letting go. There's lots of times that I go out and I'm not even drinking. I have friends that go out all yeah. the time. They don't drink at all. They'll have bitters and soda all night. But I think it's just the environment's conducive to being open, to being non like non judgmental, 
And it's a very social environment, right? The whole idea of going out is okay. to meet new people. Right. The problem is, is most people go out and they just stay to the click of their own friends. They just, you know, they go out with the idea that they're going to meet new people, but they don't actually do it, you know? So I, I actually do it. I actually meet new people all the time. So I enjoy that. And, you know, I think about even my trip to New York, um, that was uh, a week long. Was, you know, I, I've been back now for like four or five days. Everyone that I connected with there or everyone that I stayed with were they're all like these amazing professionals that are living in New York and doing great things. But when I first met them, I met them in a bar. I met every single one of them in a bar. And now they're like I'm close enough friends with them that I can go there and I can stay at their places. Right. I had like three or four different people go, hey, Chessie, you can crash at my place. Like we would love to have you as a guest. You know, so that those relations obviously like evolved and became much deeper than your casual, hey, we met at a bar, we had a super high level shallow conversation, right? So, you know, I, I, like for me, I just go to places that are like really conducive to meeting people where people are really open. To me, I like that type of environment. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's great. Wow, wow, 43 minutes in. We got a lot accomplished. <laughs> yeah, That's we awesome. did. I know you're like, I, I'm you're like, hey, I think this is going to be 30 minutes. I know. Now. We went longer. I am so grateful that you shared all that. And I think the most important aspect of, like, sharing your story is that there's somebody out there that needs to hear it and needs to – they're they're living what you lived, and they need a way out. And, and maybe they'll hear this, and maybe it'll help them, and that's why I think it's it's just really cool that you, you know, just shared everything that you did. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I can uh, share my story a little bit and I'm glad that you connected with me and we can have this conversation and uh, maybe we can have some more conversations. I after. know. I would love that. Yeah. I would so yeah, love that. No, definitely. Awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Chessie. Okay. One last question. Where's sure. your name from? I have to know. Oh yeah. Do you, do you not know? I really? think you shared before and I like, I don't know. I don't remember the story, but I would love for you to share. Yeah, 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 no. Uh, so my dad was in the Marines, and he named me and my brother, uh, Dan, after uh, Marines. So I'm named after Marine General named Chesty Puller. And then my brother is named after a uh, corporal lieutenant named Dan Daly. And were these men he personally knew? No, these were, uh, like, iconic figures in, like, Marine Corps history. Oh, wow. Like, Chesty Puller has fought in more battles than any other American soldier I, you know like his story was that he started off as a private and became a general which in today's like kind of scheme of like the way that the military works that would be like virtually impossible like even in 40 years it'd be almost impossible to go from a private to a general but he was kind of one of those guys that rose to the ranks there's a lot of famous quotes that are attributed to him that people probably don't even know they're attributed to him like uh, pain is weakness leaving the body. That's a chesty pull. Oh my quote. gosh, how so cool. Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of other ones, but there's a lot of great stories around kind of some of the things he did. And, and it's funny, every time I meet a uh, Marine, they know right away because he's actually one of the figures that they have to learn in boot camp. So they have like hymns and songs about chesty puller that they have to sing through when they're getting their asses beat or they have to run really? uh, in, during boot camp. Yeah. Okay, that is awesome. I love it. That is very cool. 
All right, Jesse, well, I won't keep you. I'll let you go. Let's connect soon. And I can't wait to share this episode. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you reaching out to me. And uh, yeah, let's definitely connect again. Maybe the next time you're in Seattle or the next time I'm, uh, I'm near LA. Cool. All right. Well, I'll keep okay. you posted as to when this goes live. Awesome. You have a, you have a great week, okay? All right. Have a good night, Jesse. Okay, Take thank care. you. Bye. that's it for today's episode of the 40 tellers thanks so much for tuning in and thanks again to chesty for sharing his story with us all um, if you or someone you know may be interested in being a guest on the 40 tellers please check out my website the 40 tellers.com and shoot me a message i would love to hear from you thanks so much until next time